You're listening to Satellite Sisters. What's a satellite sister? The person you call when the best thing in your life happens or the worst. The person that gets you up, gets you going, and gets you through. And every once in a while, changes your mind. This podcast is part pep talk, part weekly check-in. Like grabbing coffee with a friend. Thanks for being here. Welcome to the Satellite Sisterhood. You are listening to Satellite Sisters. I'm Liz Dolan. I'm here in Santa Monica, as always. I am a podcaster and a marketer, and you may even be able to hear my little dog, Hooper, sitting behind me. So I do that, too. Julie? Hi, Liz. It's Julie Dolan. I'm the oldest sister. I am a podcaster. I as well have a nice furry friend here joining me in the closet this morning, Uh, but happy to be here. Happy to be here. You know, and we have a special show today because between our big fun weekend and you just had your high school reunion, like this, you just got home from your high school reunion, right? Correct, Liz. Yes. So we have had lots of conversations with friends and listeners about life and transitions and what we all still want to be when we grow up, right? That these conversations are important. Right. Well, Liz, you know, well, first of all, we should mention that Sister Leanne has the week off, uh, yes. but she, but she's around. Um, but, you know, I, you're right, Liz, between Big Fun Weekend and my high school reunion, you know, just so many conversations. And as we've always said on the show, women in particular use conversation to navigate life's transitions, you know, mm-hmm. that, that it is, they ask the advice of their friends, you know, uh, it helps them make their decisions, whether it be, you know, whatever their next chapter might look like. Correct? Mm-hmm. Yes. And we always say not every conversation will change your life, but any conversation can. So maybe maybe today is one of those, because luckily for us, we have two guides with us to help us dig into the, all these issues around transition and change. And as we get older, they're going to help us ask the right questions and begin to find the right answers. So MEA, Modern Elder Academy, the world's first midlife wisdom school, was our partner for the Satellite Sisters Big Fun Weekend. Joining us from MEA, Christine Sperber is one of the three co-founders, and Carrie Cardinale is the Senior Vice President, Digital and Alumni Strategy. And I've been lucky enough to be in online workshops with both of them. So welcome, Christine, and welcome, Carrie. Thank you. Thank you so much for having us. Uh, It's such a pleasure to be here. Thank you so much, Liz and Julie. Excited. Yes. Well, you know, we're very thankful for your support of the Satellite Sisters Big Fun Weekend. I think you two would have loved it there because there was just so much talk about what is next in our lives. People have a lot on their minds. It's so interesting to me that you call MEA the world's first midlife wisdom school because it's a super modern concept, but wisdom seems like such an ancient word. So I'd love to hear what you each mean when you say that. Christine, you first. You're a co-founder of MEA. How do you think about wisdom? I... Turns out I think about wisdom a lot, especially over these last six years of launching MEA. Um, You know, we've come at it a bunch of different ways. I think what we have all landed on is this idea, this concept that wisdom is not something that is taught, but it is something that's shared. So back to your premise about conversation, nothing more important, right, than that human to human connection. I would say as like an enterprise, our official definition is wisdom. is metabolized experience that leads to distilled compassion, which mm. feels a little wonky. Whoa, feels whoa. A little wonky to me. <laughs> yeah. Um, 
That, You've got that to explain is, that. <laughs> that is that is the brain of Chip Conley right there. Um, for me, I would say that wisdom is, I really like this idea that the, the rising tide lifts all ships. And for me, wisdom mm-hmm. needs to be a, wise, a rising tide. I think that it, it needs to be a social good, right? So oh. Im- improving ourselves is fantastic, but improving ourselves in a way that improves everything around us to me, that's really the deep wisdom. I love wow. That. I, I, that. Julie, that is so up our alley. Having just come off this big gathering of so many of our satellite sisters, I think we could totally feel that, that it was a community enterprise. Yeah, no, absolutely. I I think, and I think it's very ins- an inspiring definition as well. Because, yeah. you know, yeah, as you said, you can, yes, you can work on yourself, but to what end or to what purpose? If the purpose is for a greater good, that uh, I'm all in on that. That's a, that's a greater idea. Okay. And Carrie, now I sat in on a session with you where you talked about the idea of owning wisdom and you said owning wisdom includes three things that people are looking for in their lives, well-being, community, and purpose. So tell us a little bit about how you think about that. Mm, Yes, I'm happy to. Thank you so much. We spent a lot of time over the years at MEA just exploring as people would come to us what they were looking for and what are the questions they were asking. And that was so common. Like it didn't matter if you were a CEO or you had been a stay-at-home mom that we were all transitioning around different topics like being an empty nester, caregiving, or figuring out if what we're doing even matters to us anymore. How are we looking at changes in our health? Like it was just such a common denominator for everyone. And it it gave us this opportunity to develop our three pillars uh, at MEA, which is navigating transitions, cultivating purpose, and owning wisdom. And we spent a bunch of time trying to like hack who are the experts out there who'd been thinking about this? And so, you know, having Chip as a Stanford grad, Stanford University has something called the Distinguished Careers Institute, which is like go back to Stanford later in life. And they explored these three topics of well-being, community, and purpose as being really the pillars to have a really healthy second half of life. And we love to think of your first adulthood is that stage when you're busy and you're getting your home and your family and you're working and your ego is engaged, you could be successful. But then what happens in your second adulthood? Like that's where these ideas of my health and well-being, what does that mean for myself? What does community mean to me? Where do I find my sense of meaning? Those become the primary interests, but we don't have a lot of places to go to explore that. So that's why we're here. Okay. You know, you were talking about the second half of your life. I mean, because what really is midlife anyway? I mean, I guess I used to thought think it was, you know, maybe late 30s, 40s. But now that I'm 60, uh, you know, or in my 60s, I should say, I, you know, I still kind of feel like that's midlife. And, you know, going to my fam- uh, to my high school re- reunion this past week, I also reflected on the fact that all of my classmates, myself included, we've done a lot of living. We have a lot of experience, you know, some of it good, some of it not good. And but it 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 provides us with such a framework for 
for having, you know, having a, a greater purpose or, you know, really working in the community or improving our own well-being. Absolutely. I mean, go, Christine. Absolutely. <laughs> um, well, when we opened the Academy, we expected that our guests would be between 45 and 65. We've had guests as young as 27 and into their 90s. And now social science is saying that midlife is really 35 to 75. So as we're, you know, in this longevity dividend, as as some of my friends up at what next like to call it, you know, we have this expanded lifespan and health span. Really, this midlife um, section is 35 to 75. Yeah. Yeah, because many of the people uh, that we saw at Big Fun Weekend, Liz, or in my yeah. class, they're still working. They're like highly engaged. You know, it's right. a, there's there's no letting up, and it doesn't seem like it's a good idea to let up. <laughs> well, even it's so interesting to hear you say longevity dividend, Christine, because it's kind of on us to make it a dividend, right? Not like some longevity punishment. So if you don't like pull yourself together with some kind of, especially on the health side, which is well-being and purpose and, and community, aging's not going to feel like a dividend. That's true. That's yeah. true. But I, I, I do believe we get to make those choices. You know what I think is a really interesting thought experiment is go back and dig into like 80s media and look at what 45 looked like in pop culture uh -huh. in the 80s, what we were exposed to as what midlife looked like. And it is not, at least for me, and I, I'll speak for a lot of people here, I think, not relevant to the mm -hmm. midlife that I'm experience or experiencing or seeing at all. Yeah. Yeah. You know, one of my big takeaways from our Satellite Sisters Big Fun Weekend was that almost everyone seemed to be going through some major transition. Right. Some women had just lost their spouses. Many had major job changes during the pandemic. One had a brand new baby with her, and a bunch were in the process of plotting retirement or selling their businesses or figuring that out. And so whether the changes were happy or sad, they're all challenging to navigate. So Carrie... I know you do workshops specifically on navigating change. So how do you advise people to think about the process of change? Mm. God, it's one of my favorite topics that as you know, we're, when we're in high school, you're going through life kind of together as a group, right? You're in the same mm -hmm. age and you're always doing things kind of together. So you're going through all the changes at the same time. Everybody has pimples, everybody's dating <laughs> or, you know, and then everybody's going to college. But then you lose that as you get into later in life and you're going through all these transitions alone or at different times. And nobody ever explained to us that there is actually like a framework to the inner process that we go through. So change is something that happens on the outside. I had a new baby or I'm retiring, right? Mm -hmm. But the transition is the psychological or the internal process of, mm -hmm. oh my gosh, how am I transitioning out of this role as a mother in midlife? Or how am I transitioning to this role without the status of having a job? Yeah. And what am I supposed to say now of what I do? Right. right? right? That's big, this internal shifts that we go through. And if we just stumble through it, we're going to do our best. But 
we have discovered through experts and our own kind of synthesis that you know there really are three stages to any transition, whether it's this new mom or a retiree, that there's always an ending. A, a, a transition starts with an ending, like I'm no longer working. That's ending. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. And and so hence starts my journey of a transition. And and I Okay, to- can I just say that that alone is a radical thought that a new beginning starts with an ending? I like yeah. that had, that had never dawned on me before. But okay, that, and that right? makes, and makes And you could guess sense. like what would you think are some of the emotions that go with when something ends in yeah, our yeah. life? Mm-hmm. Right. Exactly. Grief, of course, you know. Of course. Exactly. Sometimes it's excitement. Yeah. Or, yeah. or fear or fear, but well, that would be another big one for sure. Yeah. Yeah. So we have to take a minute, like a second to just tune into if I'm in a stage of my life that isn't ending, I need some time or some ritual to just mark that properly instead of just shoving it down. Mm-hmm. And, and then transitions go into this stage we love to call the messy middle. The messy middle is Hey, I used to work full time and now I'm feeding a baby. And oh my God, what am I doing? <laughs> or my calendar used to be full and now I have pickleball and like <laughs> Trader Joe's. And, and that's that's what I've got. <laughs> and that's a lot too. Like we're not yeah. quite settled in that whatever the new thing is and that stage can be very unsettling. And sometimes we want to race back to what we knew because we don't like that for sure stage. yeah yeah the uncertainty of it also we have some listener questions that we're going to get to there were a bunch of questions about doing that with someone else like with your partner and people having it it's messy in different ways for couples than it might be for single people but we'll get to that but it's super messy <laughs> it can be super messy and yeah. you know the, the last stage of a transition is what we call the new beginning And if we want to make this a metaphor, which I think humans love, is we think about the caterpillar and the chrysalis and the butterfly, just as an easy, Uh like, okay, I'm a caterpillar, I've been working, 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 and now something happened. I just spun this thing around me and I'm dissolving into goo. I don't even look like myself anymore. Oh my God, what do I do? This sucks. (laughs) But then eventually life happens and new things start to emerge and we shift, we become something different. And I find like we don't really mark that, especially women Mm -hmm. don't really give that the proper time to recognize, oh my God, I got through that divorce. Like, oh, Mm -hmm. I'm good right now. Mm -hmm. Now, I think it's really important. So each one of those stages are are what we break down and, and teach. And the average adult may have anywhere from like five to 25 transitions going on at once. Wow. And maybe our partners are going through their own transitions. So just having this mindset, I think, helps people be more compassionate to ourselves yeah. and our right. partners. It's right. not me. It's a transition. Right. And these are, these are skills that we, 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 we don't have, right. We, it's never like we, you know, we didn't get an advanced degree in transitions, right. Yeah, We didn't even get a course. We didn't even, (laughs) no, no, you had to sort of like make it up as you went along. So that's, that's really neat. Yeah. So, okay, Christine, another thing we experienced during the big fun weekend was the sheer joy of being together. 
especially after the isolation of COVID. And MEA as a school has both online and in-person workshops. And you're the chief experience officer. So when you think about how to shape the in-person experience at your schools in Baja or the soon-to-be-open one in Santa Fe, how do you how do you think about that, about the power of being together? And, and I read on your website, one phrase that I loved was, get unstuck in inspired surroundings. So what is, as chief experience officer, Christine, what's your chief focus? Well, I mean, the joy of being together, I, I'm feeling it right now. Any excuse I can have to listen to Carrie talk about navigating transitions, I learn every single time. So I just have to recognize her before we go forward. She is Aww. such a thought leader in this in this world. She wrote a white paper about it. She's just tremendous. And I just feel lucky every, I, I feel lucky that I get to work with you, Carrie. So thank you. <laughs> love um, you so much. <laughs> I love you so much. Um, <laughs> this is going really well, don't you think, Liz? <laughs> yes. This is the power of being together, even <laughs> online. All right. So the way that I think about um, about experience design really is what it comes down to is there's so much power in pattern interruption, right? We all, we all, I think, love to go on retreats, but we don't really know why it's pattern interruption. We take ourselves out of the mm -hmm. everyday and that introduces us into that liminal space, the betwixt and between. I sometimes think about that as, um, time outside of time. In Baja, it's really physical. You people fly in and they're in a foreign country and then they get in a mm -hmm. van with strangers and they come up a highway for about like 45, 50 minutes. And then they get on one of the worst dirt roads you can imagine into our <laughs> campus. They're and thinking they made a giant mistake at this point, no doubt. Yes. No doubt. Uh, many have, have told us, right? So they come down this this bouncy dirt road and then they end up in this gorgeous campus. Um so this pattern interruption takes us out of our everyday, and that's really important. We also use elements of ritual. Um, we introduce new concepts and ideas with new thought partners. So again, this power of having these conversations, these seeds of conversation in communities. So for so many of us, we're isolated for so many reasons, COVID just being one of them, right? Um and in a small part, we're isolated beyond through technology, through focusing on our families and then being an empty nest or through work. I mean, we could go through the whole litany of reasons that we've become isolated. So to come together in this time outside of time, have these conversations with elements of ritual in a liminal space. Um, and then I think something that's very powerful as well is the invitation to be a beginner. We talk about this a lot the invitation to be a beginner. For so many of us, we become rewarded over time for being prepared, for knowing things, right? It's, it actually becomes tied to our dignity. I am good at, I'm experienced at, um, dot, dot, yes, dot. totally. And it yes. does, doesn't leave us the space to have the joy and the play of being a beginner, and what could serve us better in this second adulthood than, you know, deep and real and true curiosity. So mm -hmm. we need to give ourselves that permission. Um, so those are the, the things that I'm thinking about, you know, and we co we collaborate and co-create on everything, but those are always top of mind for me is that time out of time, that liminal space, ritual, uh, the idea that, that, again, wisdom is not taught, it's shared. If we can create the, the environment 
for people to explore together Mm -hmm. again in community. We're doing our jobs. (laughs) Okay. I like it. Now, Julie, I think our big experiment was the Mamma Mia dance party. Exactly. (laughs) I mean, would they get on the floor? Would they dance? You know, and it was a giant hit for us uh, that we had we had created, I guess, enough safe space for people to feel that they could come in their costumes to a Mamma Mia dance party and dance their hearts out. And we did. We had so much fun and there was so much joy. So much joy. Okay, so now let's talk specifically about retirement, okay? Because many of our Satellite Sisters are thinking about this now. And I know MEA has a specific course on this, Carrie. So why did you think this course was needed? Like, what's the goal? Yeah, well, you know, after doing this transition work that we talked about, there were so many people who were all different ages thinking about retirement and hating everything to do with the word. Right. Yeah. Like it, beca- yeah. it has become a, a dirty word, a, a, a word to avoid at all costs because it it means something to us that isn't actually real anymore. This idea of like, I don't know what it means, the gold watch and, you know, going on cruises or something. Yes. And then the golf course. Yeah. And the golf course. And all, <laughs> like all that is, is, is not fit, especially for a lot of women today. And, so yeah. we found like again this is a this is a big transition to think about even if it's I'm never going to retire I want to keep doing stuff but I'm not going to I don't want to do my day-to-day job anymore I'm done with that I'm ready for something else and you know we figured there's something here that's missing that there's so much financial advice everywhere about retirement but we're rarely prepared for the emotional and the social and the psychological impacts of what retirement means, this shift of identity. Mm -hmm. And Mm -hmm. so we put together, found all these amazing experts who retired in their 40s, 50s, 60s, and 70s. And they're all still doing stuff, but they could share their perspective about what did it mean to kind of wind down some kind of career or professional expertise that they've been doing for a long time and manage that messy middle stage. Yeah. of what retirement means. Yeah, it's I, I I mean it's everything to do with identity and your place in the world and, and then just the basics of like what am I going to do all day? So Exactly. Yeah. We put this question in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group like how are you thinking about this? We're going to be talking to Carrie and Christine like what questions do you have about this in your life? And we definitely got some good questions. So Julie, why don't you start with the first one? Okay, well, here's a typical one. Melanie wrote this. At 53, I'm soon ready to retire early, but not quite. I cannot imagine not having something to do and feeling like that won't be great for my mental health. So trying to define what I do next as I'm soon able to have choices in the next two years. What will semi-retirement look like for me and what might I do instead? And how the heck do I figure it out? What do you think? I mean, I'd love to start this one and toss it to Christine because, boy, this is such an urgent question, Melanie, right? Like, I need to figure this out. And people show up to me in the online world, uh, uh, you know, with this sense, I have to figure this out, right? I'm taking this course. And by the time this is done, I want to know. I want to have this down. <laughs> yeah. Period. Mm-hmm. Otherwise, I want my money back. Uh, and I think when they when they show up on the shores 
of our Baja campus or soon our Santa Fe campus, that's often what's in the back of people's minds. And so I just want to toss over. I think Christine can really answer this better than, than most about how to reframe that idea that I, I have to figure this out right now. <laughs> we do certainly have people show up ready to have a flip, a switch flipped for them. And there is no, there is no switch, but there are lots of tools. Um, and and Carrie and Chip and Jeff and all of our collaborators and I, I think have put together a pretty powerful toolkit. Carrie, do you want to talk about any of those tools or you want to keep those close to the chef? Or is it <laughs> you know, I think that what comes down to is like watching even you guys, you know, how beautiful that you've had this sisterhood all these years that you can go to each other and you can talk about things and sort things out. I don't have a sister. And I find that most of the tools that we offer are just conversation starters or experiences because we we actually do know. We just haven't given ourselves permission. And, and it might be going back to a childhood hobby mm-hmm. that we've never had time to do. Like I started perfuming recently. Why? I don't know. I used to make perfume <laughs> when I was a kid on my front porch, shoving rose petals in alcohol. And I thought it smelled amazing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, that's an unusual choice, Carrie. I don't, right? Yeah, it's okay. so random. It has <laughs> no purpose. It will not make me any money, but it's something <laughs> that's fun. And I think we try to support this idea of how do you uncover these broader pillars of what brings us meaning in our life. It ties to the cultivating purpose and owning our wisdom of maybe what we did for all those years served a purpose. And maybe now we need some time to kind of till the soil of our life, you know, pull out the weeds, cut everything back, stick in some fertilizer, which Mm -hmm. is one of the things I just love to do. And then allow some seeds to emerge. And if we don't give ourselves the time, if we just think we have to race to the next thing, we might miss it. We might miss something wonderful. And Taking a week out of your life to go away somewhere is a good start that you, you're not around the routines. You're breaking your routine. So you'll take a sabbatical so that just having a little space gives you time to mine yourself, to kind of mm-hmm. digest what is really in there that you haven't given any room to explore. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Really, I like really that. Tri- yep. We can get, sorry, <laughs> really tripped up on this idea of identity. And spending time thinking about what are our values and what is our mastery? Because those things port where identity doesn't always port, but mm-hmm. your values can come with you. Your mastery travels with you to whatever it is that you're doing next. So to Carrie's point about taking the time and mining oneself, these are great exercises to do. What truly are my values and what truly is my mastery? And then there are other tools like, in awe practice, the idea, the contemplation of vast mystery takes us from feeling separated and individual and into more of a collective consciousness. So to your point about dance parties, the reason that they're gorgeous is because we're moving together. And that is one of the pathways to awe. So there are things that we can do to individually and together to help us move through this messy middle time to help begin to uncover those threads that brought us joy before or potentially are brand new joys for us. But there's so much time and so much to do. Yeah. Yeah. 
So it's not a week. Bummer. Okay, next question. <laughs> <laughs> so, and it's got to be us, too. Yeah. That's the other one that I'm uh, yeah. reacting to. <laughs> that it's it's in me. Nobody's going to hand this to me, right? Yeah, yeah that's... Okay. Uh, and maybe that's a good, that's a good thing, too. That's okay. good. Okay, Gretchen asked a question that was really common because I think sometimes people's fear of leaving the workplace is also fear of social isolation. Um, so Gretchen wrote, would love insight into making new friends and connections, especially if you've moved to new places to be closer to grandchildren. It can be hard. So either one of you, Carrie or Christine, yeah. like I'm sure a lot of the people that you talk to are also in a new place and trying to like set up a new friendship circle. That's not easy. Oh my gosh, it is hard. You know, this idea of moving closer to the grandchildren means you've you've upended this taproot, or maybe you're you know just want to move to a new place. Whatever those, or even the fact that you know your book club has served you for many years, but you're growing into something else, and you just have this desire to build a new community. You don't know how to do it, and you know, social isolation is one of our biggest areas of awareness that it's becoming epidemic. It, it actually can shorten your lifespan mm. by seven and a half years by feeling lonely and isolated. And I found as, you know, maybe it's post COVID, a lot of people identify as feeling more introverted than ever, or maybe as they're getting older, feel more, it's like harder to figure out how to raise your hand or get out there. And, um, I call it being either Tigger or Eeyore. Right. I'm Eeyore. Okay. I yeah. I, I'm Eeyore. My husband is a Tigger. He's like, Bab, let's go grocery shopping at 8.30 at night. I'm like, what? No, my God, I'm not doing that. <laughs> Crazy. I'm good bed. And so there's, it's, it's common to feel like resistant to new things or to resistant to putting ourselves out there and kind of embodying that Tigger metaphor to jump into new things. and But the beautiful thing that we have now is what we're doing here is we have these tools that are vast. We have, we have Zoom, we have virtual events, we can connect with people all over the world, essentially for free. And I, I have been a huge fan of using these digital tools to help us build our network and create these intimate relationships, our online programs, people meet and talk about these topics. They connect, they become friends, they then travel together, they go meet up someplace, and they really build authentic friendships. So it doesn't always have to be starting in your neighborhood. Sometimes it can start more broadly by participating in an online forum or course. I mean, that's the satellite sisterhood, for sure. Yeah, for yes. sure. Yeah. Look at what you built over these years, right? Mm -hmm. And then they come together for the big fun weekend. And then it's so deep because everybody's already connected. They already feel that sense of, you know, connection. Maybe they met online. Maybe they just are part of your network. And that's that's real. I, I mean, I think scientists should study this because I think it's really, really powerful. Yeah. Okay. Well, we also have a lots of questions about couples. What if one is ready? and the other isn't, or if one adjusts easily to change and the other struggles. For for instance, Sylvia wrote, my husband and I are three years into early retirements. I'm loving it. I'm having no trouble staying busy. My husband struggles to be productive without direction. 
I intended to be finished with management when I stopped working and don't want to turn around into an Uber nag, although I certainly have the technology. How can I help him or at least make peace with our divergent responses to change? (laughs) Oh, boy, this is a great question. This is a great question. When we first started doing the in-person workshops, I was resistant to the ideas of having couples come together. I was afraid that people wouldn't um, really, I, I guess, become immersed in the the program if they were there with a partner, maybe kind of caretaking each other. And what I've seen over these six years is when couples join us together in Baja for the week, the process of seeing other people see your spouse, fall in love with your spouse, um, kind of opens opens people's eyes to the the their spouse in a new way. That's right. Uh-huh. So I think it's it's developing that empathy and and really allowing yourselves to see all the best in your spouse or the way that someone new might see um, has been a really powerful tool. Um, our business partner Jeff, my my co-founder Jeff, unearthed a piece of um, information that the average American retiree watches forty seven hours of television a week. So. Her husband is not alone. It's not yeah. something that we yeah. wish for anyone, but it's certainly not. Um, it's not uncommon. It's it's not uncommon. Um, uh, I think oh. that I would start this with empathy, and I absolutely empathize with being the CEO of your own house. Poof. Oh, Julie, Julie, I remember last year when when your husband was first moving into semi-retirement, your big issue was lunch. Lunch. Yeah, we had to have have to be in charge of lunch. Yeah, we had to have a new lunch policy. But Christine, I'm really happy to hear this about, you know, couples, partners coming together because my husband and I are definitely looking at MEA, but we're, you know, we're doing different things and we're different people. Uh, and, you know, we don't, we don't need couples therapy, but we, you know, we would like, you know, we're intrigued by the topics you have. Do you, do you also, how do you feel like when like girlfriends come, uh, does that work equally as well? Or do you recommend that? What's your advice? Um, it does work equally as well. Um, okay. As long as you're, both open to engaging with the whole group. And it yes. happens almost inevitably every single week. Another thing that I have I have observed with such great joy is we do occasionally partner people into um, shared accommodation. We offer shared accommodation. And um, another thing I was nervous about, people might not have enough processing time. Some of our deepest friendships have come out of people sharing a room who hadn't shared a room in who knows how long and, (laughs) you know, ended up having that almost college experience again of having a roommate and, and, you know, the late night giggles, the whole, the whole deal. So I I think all different kinds of combinations really work um, to my great surprise, to be honest. Well, that's good to know. I mean, again, we've witnessed that in our own group gatherings, so it's not a surprise. It's great that you create the environment for that. Okay, so we have one last question, sort of a big one. We've touched on it already a little bit, the whole issue of identity. So here's what Dorothy posted in the Facebook group. In a world where we are known by what we do, what happens when we don't do that anymore? My identity has always been my work, and I've chafed at having an identity through my relationships with other people. 
being someone's wife, mother, grandmother is wonderful, but I don't like it to be my primary identity. So now what? Okay, you two, what is the reframing advice you have for Dorothy? Hmm. Well, I'll jump in and then pass it to Christy. I just think this is such an interesting topic for women. As women are getting older, retiring, had had a very strong career, a very strong professional identity, and certainly in the United States. You know, you go to any cocktail party, any backyard barbecue, and you're meeting somebody new. You know, the first question, besides what's your name, inevitably is, what do you do? Mm-hmm. Right? And a lot of women have resented having to be a secondary role. I'm so-and-so's wife, right? I'm so-and-so's yeah. mom. We'll say those things, but what we want to, of course, need to have our own sense of our gifts, and what our gifts are, what our interests are, what our passions are. You know, other cultures do better than Americans at cultivating something else beyond what we do. We started working with uh, the Blue Zones, Dan Buettner, who brilliantly scoured the world looking for the communities where people live the longest. And the places that people live the longest had absolutely nothing to do with what they did for a living. It had everything to do with how they live their life in community with each other mm-hmm. and the simple conversations they could create and the the sense of gratification from working a garden and being together. We sort of put this pressure on ourselves that we have to uh, feed that ego. And as we get into midlife, whatever that stage is, we move into the next stage. There's this opportunity to let the ego go a little bit. And kind of shift more towards the soul. You know, Carl Jung spoke about that extensively in his work, that we kind of move from ego to soul as we get older. And that can be such a rich time. And maybe, you know, Dorothy, you're going to get all into health and wellness and explore that. Or maybe it is, you know, that, that hobby that has been gnawing at you, that there's such opportunity to expand our sense of purpose to be not just one thing. We want to kind of Mm -hmm. expand if purpose is a big tree and we just have one thing that we do, we're like this skinny little stock and, you know, professional athletes who retire early and Christine knows this very well, pass it to you, uh, have a really hard time when they retire because they've been forced to be so singularly focused in one thing for their whole life. And suddenly when that's taken away, they struggle and have a very hard time. So I'm, I'm going to use that to pass it to you, Christine, and what you've noticed and how to shift that identity after one career ends. Mm. This is so real for me coming off being a professional athlete in my 20s and the very, that intense feeling of what's next and what's now and who am I? Um, it was, it, it was difficult and I didn't have the tools and language that I have now to understand so the power of naming things, I, I, that's very present for me all the time. The fact that we now have this framework to even look at the transitions. I would say the, the most valuable work we can do around identity, at least for me, is, is diving into values, understanding what my, my values are. Again, because those, those travel, understanding my mastery, you know, mastery travels, right? So my job was to ride a half pipe. Sometimes I did it well. I didn't always do it well. But what did it take in order to ride that half pipe? It took a certain amount of 
tenacity and and you know consistency willingness to suffer <laughs> those things I bet. With yeah. me my, my professional life I remain tenacious and willing to suffer although I hope I'm learning those lessons better as I age <laughs> becoming a little less willing to suffer um, <laughs> you know so I think those things come with you I think investing in your social network no matter how old you are is no, is never too soon to start Friendship is a practice. And we know, again, from social science, that the strength of our connections, our social connections in our 50s are tied to our longevity. So the thing that will carry us through all these changes so, so well is our social network. Um, And those, you know, again, it's a practice. I think we have to make an effort to develop those outside of our professional lives. Yeah. And it's a nice time, nice time in your life to prioritize that friendships like Mm -hmm. they they can become more important, like where where maybe in your 20s, when you're busy with your job or your family, you couldn't. But you can prioritize uh, female friendships. Yeah. Yeah. And luckily for us, it is like the fundamental goal of Satellite Sisters. So yay. (laughs) (laughs) Not to say that we're going to be any better at all of this than anyone else, but at least we've given it some serious thoughts. So thank you so much, Carrie and Christine. You've given us a lot to think about because my my number one takeaway is wisdom. I guess we all have some already, right? We just have to discover it within ourselves. Yep. There it is. (laughs) Absolutely. Thank you so much for having us on. Thank you for the work you're doing in the world because you are contributing to to positive mental health by building connections. We learned oh, that time and time thank again. Thank you, Carrie and Christine. That's thank nice. Thank you both so much. And thanks for your support of the Satellite Sisters community. And good luck with your Baja school and the new Santa Fe school that opens in March. So thank you so much, Carrie Cardinale and Christine Sperber. Thank you. Thank you. Hey, it's Liz and Leanne here, and we want to thank Pros for supporting this episode of Satellite Sisters. Now, you know, Liz, I've been out and about with my new book, The Marriage Sabbatical. Mm-hmm. The book is getting rave reviews. I'm very happy. But you know what else is getting rave reviews? My hair, Liz. My hair from Pros is getting <laughs> rave reviews. Leanne, I am not surprised. You have been on that Pros hair regimen for quite a while. I mean, you have good hair anyway, but now you have great hair because you've really paid attention to it. Well, Liz, pros is made for people, not hair and skin types. Personalization is rooted in everything they do, from their in-depth consultation to their made-to-order model. And you know what? I love the regimen they have me on. Do I take the hair vitamins every day? Yes, I do. Do I use my shampoo and conditioner made especially for Leon Dolan? Yes, I do. Do I sometimes use the leave-in conditioner when my hair is really dry? I do. And I even have a pre-scalp thing that they give me. Okay, pros, you're the boss. I'll take it. (laughs) You tell me what my hair needs. That sounds good. And here's the thing. It's personalization, Liz. For yeah. millions of possible formulas, only one is uniquely Leans. Okay, and I'm I'm using it. Pros mm-hmm. isn't just better for you; it's also better for the planet, Liz. They're certified B Corp, cruelty free, and the first and only 
carbon neutral custom beauty brand. So pros, we love you. I love the photos of my hair. Couldn't be happier. <laughs> photos of your hair. There are people in the photos too. That's the thing about a book tour. Everybody yeah. has their picture taken with Leon and then post it. So yeah. the hair is important. <laughs> Couldn't be happier, pros. Pros is so confident that you'll bring out your best hair and skin. They're offering an exclusive trial offer of 50% off your first subscription order at pros.com slash sisters. So you get your free consultation, then 50% off at pros.com slash sisters. And pros is spelled P-R-O-S-E, pros.com slash sisters. Thanks, pros. Okay, we're back. Julie, you know, I find it even inspirational to be talking about some of the issues that <laughs> MEA actually deals with. Just opening your mind to free yourself a little bit of the fear of digging yep. into these issues, right. seeing how fascinating it could be. So what was your takeaway? What's your feeling? My my fir first thing, I like you, I was inspired by it. Like, really? We could really work on this? We could have some tools? Someone could help me with this messy middle? Yeah. That would be awesome. But then I was a little shocked uh, when uh, in, in regards to their response to Melanie's question that it's all in me already. Like mm. I have to look, mm. you know, but, but then I thought, well, maybe it is all in me already. And maybe that would be a good source to look at. And the whole idea of moving from ego to values. I love yeah. that Liz, because one of the conversations that I had, not only in Minneapolis with so many of our listeners, but certainly with my classmates was just this importance of community service and how, you know, using your experience and wisdom for the, you know, betterment of community was was really front and center for so many people. And that that's how they wanted to define their their lives, whether they were 40 or, you know, past 60. And that I think I think is important. Yeah. Yeah. That's interesting. You know, I was really struck by something that uh, was in Dorothy's question. Yeah. And, and I've even written about this before because Dorothy said, being someone's wife, mother, and grandmother is wonderful, but I don't want it to be my primary identity. Yes. And, you know, we talk about that a lot in terms of sense of connection, but also in my individual life. I am not somebody's wife, mother, or grandmother. It's not, that's not that that none of those things are a path for me. Like ah, so then what do I do now? I mean, obviously, I've been living my whole life that way, but it's just sort of an interesting twist on the identity challenge as you get older and your professional life is leading you less, and right. your you know your community, your life in community is much much more important to you. Obviously, most of my friends, my sisters, and others, you know, are sort of in a phase in your lives where you are becoming grandmothers, and you know that's not going to be my thing. I so know, but you're thing? still, but but Liz, you still have such an important and well developed role as sister, as aunt, mm -hmm. and grand aunt. I mean, you have always taken that those roles you know, well beyond, you know, what Thank many you. people do. No, I mean, that's, that's been central to you. So, yeah, yeah. You know, I think, but it is, it is that it is about identity. It is about titles. Uh, it is about giving yourself the opportunity, the freedom to, to really look at these things, to be curious yeah, about these yeah. things. I think yeah. that, 
that's good. It's not like, no, let's not watch 47 hours of television a week. Hey, <laughs> let's be curious about something else. And yeah. to be a beginner, I love that. Like, yes. okay, like perhaps it seems like Carrie might be a beginner at fragrance making, but uh, <laughs> but, but she's given herself the allowance to do that. And, and the messy middle, I also took away, like, maybe you might make, a, you know, you, you might not find it in... Uh, right away you maybe exactly. you'll make a couple of mistakes you know yeah. like oh no you know fragrance making not my thing no yeah. or no i'm not going to take up baking or whatever it might be but i know i've seen a lot of friends decide oh i'm going to go on all these you know charitable boards and yeah. then after about three years they're like this is killing me <laughs> <laughs> or like maybe travel isn't your thing maybe I, you prefer you know maybe you know all, all yeah. of that that is that is not your thing and you know but uh i like that i you know i i did you know we 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 always talk about the power of conversation but um but carrie and christine really inspired me and i love it that you could think about doing one of these programs with a girlfriend Mm -hmm. either online or in person or with a spouse or a partner and that that works you know that you know it wouldn't be you wouldn't be competitive with each other. You know what no, I mean? Right. It would be part of a bigger community. Yeah. I like that. Yeah. 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 So super interesting conversation. Thank you so much to MEA for their supportive satellite sisters. So there are links to their website and workshop information in our show notes. Also on the blog at satellitesisters.com and uh, in the Satellite Sisters Facebook group. So you can always find them at meawisdom.com, but use the links we have. And we're going to be back next week with a recording of the live show we did at the Big Fun Weekend. So you'll hear the sense of connection, Rachel. Yes, it's really exciting. It was an exciting crowd and we had lots of fun and it turned out, I think, to be a super fun show. Yes. Yes. Super fun. So, okay, well, that's it for this week. Many thanks. Thanks to our engineer. As always, Sergio Enriquez helps make us sound great. And to our graphic designer, Emily Borgin, who creates all the fun graphic titles you see all over our social media. So have a great week, Joel. All right, Liz. And don't forget to call your satellite sister. <laughs>